Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. Our guest today is Rick Smith. He's the co-author of a brand new book that you are going to want to have on your bookshelf. It's called Toxin Tox Out, Getting Harmful Chemicals Out of Our Bodies and Out of Our World. Rick, welcome to Go Green Radio. Thank you very much. Well, before we start to talk about how to get the toxins out of our bodies and out of our homes, I'd like to begin by discussing some of the health risks that are associated with the toxins described in your book. And I want our listeners to fully understand uh, the need to eliminate this toxic exposure. So let's start with BPA. I think that a lot of consumers know that BPA is not good for us, uh, primarily because there's so many plastic products out there now that have BPA-free labeling. But can you explain the various health problems associated with BPA? Well, absolutely. I mean, BPA, like uh, most of the chemicals we write about in the book, uh, are uh, it's a hormone-disrupting chemical. So it's very easily absorbed into the body. And uh, when it is absorbed into the body, it turns out uh, it mimics estrogen. And uh, taking a look at breast cancer, for example, it's very clear that a woman's uh, uh, risk of breast cancer is at least partially related to her lifetime exposure to estrogen and estrogenic uh, chemicals. So, so BPA is a great example of what we're talking about. It, it, it screws up our hormones once absorbed into our bodies, and it's been linked to, uh, as a consequence, it's been linked to any number of ailments at this point in time, breast cancer, uh, type 2 diabetes, all of these uh, uh, diseases that, uh, that have a hormonal trigger. And isn't it true that uh, these types of hormone disruptors are even more toxic or uh, disruptive for uh, children than they are even for adults? That's exactly right. There's now a mountain of scientific evidence uh, that's accumulated over the past 10 years uh, showing that uh, that all these pollutants, these these hormone-disrupting chemicals, uh, BPA, uh, phthalates, disproportionately impact kids. And Mm -hmm. and when you think about it, it it makes sense. I mean, the the bodies of children are growing uh, rapidly. Their cells are dividing. Their their little brains are are growing. And so all of these incredibly active biological cellular processes in, in the bodies of children are very susceptible to being disrupted by, by pollutants of different sorts. And so that's why, for instance, we see uh, increasing rates of childhood asthma. We see kids uh, uh, coming down with uh, different types of cancer that that's, uh, not that long ago were rather rare. Uh, and so, uh, though it's not, you know, it's a bit of an exaggeration to say that adults are, uh, are polluted already and uh, there's no hope for us. Of course, that's not true. Um, it is it, it is the case that so we need to be particularly concerned about the impacts of these pollutants on children. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about triclosan. What are the negative health impacts associated with triclosan, and in what types of products do consumers typically find that that particular toxin? Triclosan is uh, is a fascinating story. I mean, it really is modern day snake oil. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's originated in uh, surgical swabs 
in hospitals in the 1970s. Uh, it was it was uh, put in very high concentrations in surgical swabs to to kill bacteria in that context. And of course, that sounds pretty good to me. I'd like to know that surgical swabs in hospitals are bacteria free. Sure. But but then what happened is uh, that the company that that makes triclosan decided that that market was too limited. And so the company started to convince consumer product manufacturers to stick this chemical into a whole variety of uh, uh, products at very low concentrations. And and it turns out that uh, these concentrations are actually too small to to reliably kill bacteria. Uh, What they do is they're contributing... The, the small amount of triclosan in these products is contributing to antibacterial resistance, the rise of these so-called superbugs. So uh, any number of ant- antibacterial hand washes, um, uh, increasingly triclosan is impregnated right into clothing. Wow. Uh, you'll, find, you'll find triclosan in things like flip-flops, footwear. Uh, and this, uh, the, recently the American Medical Association and the Canadian Medical Association and the U.S. FDA uh, have all expressed their concern about the increasing levels of triclosan floating around in our environments and uh, linked to a variety of diseases. Well, and talk to us about those diseases. Uh, you know, on the outset, it looks like something that is antibacterial would be good for health, but what are some mm-hmm. of the negative impacts of exposure to triclosan? Well, the, uh, it turns out that uh, that's uh, as I mentioned, the triclosan uh, at the con- concentrations it's at in antibacterial hand washes, for instance, uh, uh, there's not enough triclosan in, the, in those in those hand washes to actually kill bacteria. What it does is it kind of maims the bacteria and it leaves them stronger to uh, to fight another day. Uh, so triclosan is increasingly being linked to some very worrisome science. Mm-hmm. To the uh, to the rise of so-called superbug anti- uh, antibiotic-resistant bacteria, it's being linked to thyroid problems, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, very unusually, you know, the American Medical Association, very conservative body, uh, very unusual that it would express strong concern about a about a particular chemical, uh, but that's what's happened in the case of uh, triclosan in the last couple of years. Now, let's talk about mercury exposure, because I know this pops up in a number of different contexts, because mercury can find its way into our bodies in a number of different ways. But what is the harm of mercury exposure? Well, we've scientists have known for literally hundreds of years that mercury is a potent neurotoxin. Uh, mercury uh, is disproportionately deposited in the brains uh, of, uh, of people exposed to it uh, and can cause any number of, uh, uh, it's been linked to various kinds of cancer, for instance, different kinds of uh, brain injuries. Um, in very severe cases of mercury poisoning, uh, your listeners might be familiar with the um, uh, with the case of Minamata in, in Japan, very famous case of mass mercury poisoning uh, at an entire village, uh, was uh, exposed to very high levels of mercury, and, and the children born around that time were, were terribly deformed and uh, mm-hmm. uh, with developmental delays. So in extreme cases, mercury poisoning can be a terrible tragedy. Um, 
so you know, incredible, really, that <laughs> hundreds of years after uh, it's first become known how poisonous mercury is, that we still have mercury in measurable quanti- quantities in the environment. Uh, there's still products uh, made with mercury, uh, and most people in, in the United States and in the industrialized world would still have measurable levels of mercury in their bodies. Uh, not enough attention is being paid to lowering mercury levels uh, in humans. Where does most of the exposure come from? I mean, I know that, um, you know, on Go Green Radio, we've talked in the past about uh, mercury exposure coming from air that is polluted by coal plants and things like that. Where are some of the more common exposure sites? Well, that, that is uh, uh, probably the primary source of mercury in North America at the moment, the, the, the burning of things. Um, so, for instance, uh, uh, coal plants. When you burn coal, you get emissions. Uh, mercury will be a component of those emissions. Uh, 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 gasoline. When gasoline is burned, a small amount of mercury will be created as a result. Um, uh, and so what happens, of course, is those emissions go up into the atmosphere, they accumulate in clouds, they come down in the rain, and then they uh, start to accumulate in the food chain. And so uh, in a big city like uh, Chicago or New York or Toronto that, uh, that still powers itself to a certain extent by coal, uh, by burning coal, you will get a certain amount of mercury through uh, what you breathe. And because the mercury is coming down in rain and accumulating in the food chain, uh, you will also get a certain amount of mercury uh, through uh, uh, what you eat, uh, especially larger, older uh, animals that deposit mercury in their bodies through their, life, through their lifetime, things like tuna fish, uh, swordfish, so these very large, long-lived fish that will accumulate mercury over their lifetimes, and then we, you know, then we eat them as a delicious uh, swordfish steak on the barbecue in the summertime or, you know, as a tuna fish sandwich, those kinds of food will quite often have quite high mercury levels. Um, so those are the pro- probably the two major sources of mercury in our daily lives, what, uh, what the pollution that we breathe in and then uh, the, the, the levels of mercury in some specific types of food. Well, that is fascinating. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the ways to remove these toxins from our homes, um, some of the ways that we can avoid some of the toxins that we've been talking about. So don't go away, folks. We have much more with Rick Smith, author of Toxin Talks Out, when we come back from this commercial break. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. 
Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. I am so glad that you could all join us because this topic today is vitally important. It affects each and every one of us. And our guest today, if you're just tuning in, is Rick Smith. He co-authored a brand new book. It's called Toxin, Tox Out, Getting Harmful Chemicals Out of Our Bodies and Out of Our World. And we've been talking in the last segment about some of the, I mean, there are hundreds, but we started talking about some of the toxins um, that are very common, uh, where we can find them and what some of the health risks are. There's one quick question I want to ask you, Rick, before we go into this discussion about how to remove these toxins from our homes. You know, each and every one of the toxins we've discussed and, and many of the toxins you discuss in your book um, have uh, health impacts all by themselves. But talk to us for just a moment about the cumulative effect of exposure to multiple toxins. What does the research show about that? Well, I think, I think you've, uh, you've really hit the nail on the head in terms of uh, one of the main questions that governments have been trying to ignore. Mm. Frankly, the chemical industry has been trying to spin us on for, uh, for decades. And, and uh, you know, the simple answer to your question is we don't really know the cumulative impact of these hundreds and thousands of synthetic chemicals that we're exposed to every day. And the entire regulatory uh, toxicological uh, system that we've created uh, over the last 50 years in the United States uh, isn't equipped to, to deal with the very question you just asked. So the chemical industry, for instance, wants to pretend that every one of these chemicals kind of exists in isolation. Mm-hmm. And so the, the discussion between the chemical industry and the government will go something like this. Uh, okay, governments, uh, we're putting this new synthetic chemical in the market. Can you please decide the, the magical level of safety for this chemical? Uh, you know, if, if, we're, if we're one tiny little bit below this level, we'll be, uh, we'll be hunky-dory. And if we're a little bit over this level, we got a problem. 
Uh, okay, so let's. So thank you, government, for setting that level. Let's move over here. Let's talk about this other chemical. Let's try to set some magical level for this chemical in isolation from anything else. And this process is replicated uh, hundreds and thousands of times uh, in government decision making. And of course, this is nonsense. So, you know, the average the average woman before she leaves home in the morning is exposed to uh, over a hundred synthetic chemicals all at once. Wow. And, uh, and, and the recent science is pointing to some very worrisome impacts from this accumulation, from this sum total, this, this synergistic effect of, of the simultaneous exposure to all these chemicals. Well, and that's the thing that I think a lot of women who are of childbearing age are starting to look at and say, wow, I know that what I'm exposed to will also um, be exposed you know, to my child, whether they're pregnant or whether they're planning to get pregnant. Um, and a lot of women, um, and of course, their partners are also very concerned about removing as many of these toxins as they can from their environment, oftentimes starting with their homes. So let's talk about how to organize a toxic cleanup of some of these products and get them out of our homes and at least begin there. And for me, I know that I like to organize things kind of room by room. If I were to try and pick a chemical and then look all over the house and eliminate it, that would be a little bit hard for me. So let's talk about the laundry room first. What are some of the problematic chemicals that are commonly found in laundry products and what are some healthier options that you and your co-writer Bruce Laurie have found for our, for our listeners? Well, I, th- I think I think the room by room approach is a good one. Uh, and as we do this, let's let's think about the the very few ways that these toxic chemicals can get into our bodies. So, uh, and this is what we've tried to do in Tox In, Tox Out, is really zero in on the on the avenue through which these chemicals can can accumulate in the body. So, uh, uh, there's only a few ways this can happen. It's, it happens through what you breathe, through what you absorb through your skin and through what you uh, uh, eat or drink. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's start in the laundry room. One of the, one of the major chemicals to be wary of in laundry soap, detergent, uh, cleaning products, is a, is a family of chemicals called phthalates. And we talk, uh, we talk about these chemicals a lot in the book. This is a very common family of chemicals. Uh, from the chemical industry's point of view, it's a very useful group of chemicals because they both uh, carry scent well. So any cleaning product uh, in your laundry room that has a heavy artificial scent, you know, if it smells like a lemon tree um, or a strawberry field, uh, almost certainly that cleaning product that's detergent will have a very high level of phthalate. And phthalates have been very strongly linked now to uh, to uh, malformations in the, in the urogenital system, the urinary systems of little boys, very strongly linked to uh, uh, things like prostate cancer and should be avoided. So the best way to avoid phthalates in, in the laundry room is to use greener, non-toxic products. And this is a theme I'm going to return to repeatedly. There's this whole new generation now of very effective, uh, very, uh, very uh, cost-effective products that, uh, that don't contain these artificial uh, uh, toxic chemicals like phthalates. And uh, mm-hmm. that's, what consumers, that's what consumers should look for. 
That sounds great. And that's that's a pretty simple thing. You know, look for that on the, the label in your laundry rooms. That's the main culprit that we're looking for in that room. Now let's move to the bathroom. There's a yeah. lot of stuff going on in there. I mean, we're showering, we're fixing our hair, we're putting things on our skin. So there's yeah. quite a bit to look for in the bathroom. Talk to us about uh, removing some of these harmful toxins in that room of the house. So here we're going we're gonna to start with phthalates again because uh, we're faced in the bathroom with a whole bunch of products with heavy artificial scents as well, shampoos, soap, shaving products, uh, antiperspirants and deodorants. Uh, a lot of the mainstream brands that we've grown up with contain very high levels of phthalates in these products because it carries the scent in these products. And phthalates are very easily absorbed through the skin. So the thing to look for when you're trying to avoid phthalates is a label on the product that says no phthalates. And this, this is a little bit counterintuitive, but, but the, the, the moment in history we're at in the United States and in most countries around the world is that labeling requirements for products are really inadequate. And companies are not legally obligated to label the, the presence of phthalates in products, uh, which means that those companies that are trying to get phthalates out of their products are voluntarily labeling the absence of phthalates from their uh-huh. products. So in the bathroom, let's start with, take a look for products that say no phthalates on the label. That's a good place to start. Another chemical that we looked at in our book is parabens. Uh, parabens are a preservative in a lot of cosmetics and a lot of personal care products in the bathroom. Very strongly linked now to breast cancer. Um, and uh, parabens are required to be labeled on products. So take a look uh, when you're shopping. Take a look for brands that do not contain parabens. Now, there are a, a number of different apps and things like that that people can look at for cosmetic guides. But just to give us a, a quick kind of shot in the arm, do you have any brands that you would, um, that you'd recommend that you're comfortable saying, you know, if you look at this particular company, they're doing it right and you can trust yeah. them? Yes. In, in fact, uh, we talk about this extensively in the book, and I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the hour. But uh, w- the way that we try to tell this story in the book is through experimenting on ourselves and volunteers. <laughs> so we actually use, you know, it's kind of a crazed adult science fair experiment. Uh, <laughs> we, thought, we thought this might be the, uh, the most impactful, uh, clear way to tell this story. So, so what we actually did in the book is we, ex- uh, we experimented uh, on people, ourselves and other people, using different brands to see uh, which would leave a measurable level of phthalates and parabens in our bodies and which would not. So, you know, I can report, um, because we've done the experimentation directly, that brands like Aveda, for instance, uh, you know, the very good Aveda products of shampoos and conditioners, these sorts of things. Aveda does not contain parabens and phthalates, and if you use Aveda as a a brand, uh, you will not have large levels of those chemicals in your body. If you use other brands that do contain parabens and phthalates, you will have sky-high levels of parabens and phthalates in your body because these chemicals are very easily absorbed through the skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kiss My Face is another great brand. Aubrey Organics is another great brand. Uh, if, for more information on this, people can check out uh, the Environmental Working Group's uh, very good skin-deep database. So that mm-hmm. people can just Google uh, Safe Cosmetics and uh, it'll pop up a very good, very detailed database on, on what brands contain which of these chemicals. 
Mm-hmm. Now let's move on to that cabinet that holds all of our cleaning supplies. What are some of the common toxins that are found in those products, and and what are the health impacts of being exposed to those toxins? Well, let's, we've already talked about phthalates, and this will be a re- recurring theme because anything with uh, with a heavy artificial aroma is going to contain phthalates. But I, we've already talked about those. Uh, let's talk about triclosan for a second. Uh, we, we live at a time um, where a lot of products are going antibacterial. Mm-hmm. And so at the moment, you can buy antibacterial toothpaste, you can buy antibacterial hand soap, you can buy antibacterial uh, uh, facial cleanser, and a lot of cleaning products allege that they have antibacterial properties. Um, some, some of the specific chemicals in, in, in certain antibacterial brands are not that much of a problem. So some antibacterial brands, for instance, use uh, alcohol as the antibacterial agent. I'm not so concerned about that. Uh, but a lot of these antibacterial products will contain triclosan. The word triclosan or triclochemical will be on the label. That it's, it's, it's actually a registered pesticide, uh, perversely. Oh, so, my. Uh, so by law, uh, manufacturers have to put triclosan on their labels. But, uh, but this is a very problematic chemical. Uh, just in the last couple of months, the U.S. Uh, Food and Drug Administration has, uh, has published a new study pointing to some real problems with this chemical. Uh, unfortunately, it's, it's present in a lot of different brands, and so people should avoid that at all costs. Well, that is good advice. And on that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we'll talk about one more room in the house. That's the kitchen. And then we're going to get into what Rick alluded to earlier in the segment, which was his self-experimentation, which was pretty brave and a little bit funny as well. So we're going to talk to him about some of the things he did to work on removing these toxins from his body. So don't go away, folks. There's much more Go Green Radio right after this. News, opinion, action. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. I'm so glad that you could all join us. And if you're just tuning in, our guest today is Rick Smith, and he's the co-author of a brand new book that I highly recommend. It's called Toxin Talks Out, Getting Harmful Chemicals Out of Our Bodies and Out of Our World. So many of us are looking for ways to go green in our own lives. We're trying to eat better. We're trying to uh, lighten our environmental footprint. But the fact is, unless we look at some of the chemicals that are a part of our day-to-day existence and remove Remove those from our own environment, uh, we may not be doing ourselves a, a, a great service if we only look at what we're eating and we don't look at some of the chemicals and some of the products that we use as well. Now, in the last segment, we were going room by room in a typical household to try and talk to Rick about toxins that we can remove from each room. And I want to get to the kitchen because this is a two-part issue. I'd like for you to talk about toxins in our food and whether or not organic food is the best option. And then, Rick, I'd also like to you for you to talk to us about the things we use to cook our food. Are there toxins lurking in our kitchen tools, and what are some of the safer alternatives? Absolutely. So, yes, the kitchen is, you know, for many busy families, the kitchen is really where people hang out. And, of course, every good house party winds up in the kitchen. <laughs> uh, so the kitchen, uh, we talk a lot about the kitchen in, in our book, uh, Talks In, Talks Out. Uh, and one of, the, one of the experiments that we did in the book because uh, we try to convey the story in, in, in an entertaining way, if that's possible, uh, is, uh, is we experimented with organic food. And we, we, uh, my co-author, Bruce, and I really had a question about whether organic food is worth it. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people, even if you buy organic food, occasionally wonder whether the, uh, uh, whether the price differential that still exists uh, for some types of organic food, whether it's worth the expenditure whether organic food is better for you, uh, mm-hmm. whether, it, whether it measurably lowers pesticide levels in your body. And, uh, and so we did this uh, quite, uh, quite complicated experiment in the book with a group of uh, kid volunteers. For a few days, they ate non-organic food. For a few days, they ate organic food. And, uh, and the results were really astonishing. On those days when they ate organic food, the levels of uh, cancer-causing pesticides in the bodies of, uh, of, our, of our kid volunteers were way, way down, uh, a fraction of, uh, of what they were on the days when those kids were eating non-organic food. So the answer to the question, is organic food worth it? Uh, does it lower chemical levels in your, in your body? You know, I want to say a big unequivocal yes to that question, eating organic food matters. Um, the other, the other question you asked is about uh, food preparation. So food, right. container, food containers, for instance, uh, the cooking of food. And we talk a lot in the book about the Teflon family of chemicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Teflon is uh, a serious environmental problem. Uh, there, are, there are rising levels of, of Teflon chemicals in the environment because of all the Teflon-coated stuff that we throw out on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also turns out that, uh, that you can absorb these chemicals 
through the frying pans you use, uh, uh, those chemicals then leach into food. And when we ingest that, those chemicals can take up residence in our bodies. Uh, And most Americans now, the uh, the U.S. Center for Disease Control reports, most Americans will have some level of Teflon chemicals in their bodies. Mm -hmm. So in, in my home, we cook with stainless steel. We cook with cast iron. We cook with ceramic. Uh, and when we have to store food, we, we try to use th- these really great new snap lid uh, uh, glass containers. Yep. And the added, ben- the added benefit there is you can just, uh, you know, you can microwave glass, no problem. So you can pop that in the microwave. You don't have to put it into another container. And you can, you can just heat it up in that container. Yep. Uh, there are some types of plastic containers, especially those uh, containing uh, BPA, can leach those chemicals uh, into the food, and you want to avoid that. Absolutely. And I did go out on the DuPont website and they have, you know, they coined the brand Teflon and that used to be made with PFOA. They say that now their Teflon brands are PFOA free. I don't know what they've replaced PFOA with. I don't know if it's any safer, Um, but but other nonstick cookware that aren't actually made by, you know, with DuPont brand Teflon may still have PFOA. And what is the harm of that? What is that chemical? Do to us? Well, uh, Teflon, the, these are fluoridated chemicals, they're called. There's a whole family of chemicals, very common. And, um, you know, even, you know, I, I live in Canada and we have long cold winters. And so even windshield wiper fluid these days comes uh, with a shot of Teflon. Uh, so it's not just in frying pans anymore. There's an increasing number of consumer products that contain this family of chemicals. Uh, and the problem with these chemicals is, is that they're incredibly long-lived, incredibly stable chemicals. And so they're easily, easily absorbed into the body. Mm-hmm. And because, because of their chemical characteristics, our body doesn't really know what to do with them. They, 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 they kind of, you know, no pun intended, they kind of stick in our <laughs> bodies uh, mm-hmm. once, once they're inside of us. This is the problem. So PFOA is only one in a very large family of chemicals. And, uh, and a lot of these manufacturers of nonstick cookware uh, are not terribly forthcoming mm-hmm. about, what, about what allegedly new chemicals they're using in their products. Right. Uh, so the Environmental Working Group, uh, you know, our great uh, colleagues in the States, uh, uh, they recommend, we recommend uh, when you're cooking, stick with, stick with the basics, stainless yeah. steel, cast iron. Uh, you know, humans have been cooking with those materials for hundreds of years, and we know they're entirely benign. It's amazing how smart my grandmother seems as I'm learning about some of these <laughs> chemicals. You know, I mean, she cleaned with vinegar water solutions. You know, she she used these types of cookware. She had it going on. My my grandmother knew uh, the healthy the healthiest ways. Of course, she didn't have the option of some of these other products. But um, maybe there's a there's some wisdom we need to regain uh, from our society. So let's get on to yeah. this this topic of detoxing ourselves. I mean. This is a, I don't know, probably a billion or more dollar industry, This all these detox products out there. And I have to say you were pretty brave to self-experiment with some of these. But talk to us a little bit how, about how you approached this portion of the book, how you decided which detox methods to try, and how you collected the data. And, and most importantly, how did you ensure that you didn't harm yourself in the process? Because I think that will be instructive for some of our listeners who may be tempted to try a variety of different detox methods? How did you determine which ones you would try and which ones you wouldn't? 
Yeah. Well, my, my co-author, Bruce Laurie, and I have been working on these issues for quite a few years. And when we, when we set out to write this book, we, we had a couple of objectives in mind. The first one was to try to convey this issue of toxic chemicals in a, uh, in a different and engaging way. Because, uh, you know, let's face it, this is a very complicated area. Uh, I mean, you've done programming on, on, on this, in this area in the past, and it's very confusing for people. I mean, we're talking about hundreds and thousands of different toxic chemicals. A lot of them have long, unpronounceable names. Mm-hmm. They're, they're present in different combinations in, uh, in virtually every consumer product in our homes. And in a lot of cases, these products are badly labeled. So, so Bruce and I had this idea of trying to do this self-experimentation <laughs> to show how easily these chemicals can be absorbed into the bodies, but, but also to leave people with a little bit of hope, uh, or with a lot of hope, to, to show that by doing certain simple things differently, you can actually get these chemicals out of your body. Uh, and so we, we, we just talked about the experiment with organic food, for instance. We showed that eating organic food can dramatically lower your pesticide levels. Uh, we looked at um, uh, chem- uh, chemical odors that we're all familiar with, the new car smell, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, uh, you know, I sat in a new car for a day and then measured my levels of, um, <laughs> of some of these, of, of some of these uh, nasty off-gassing chemicals before and after to show that uh, when you can avoid some of these chemical odors in the home, that that can help reduce uh, your chemical levels. So the, the first uh, take-home message from the book is that avoiding some of these chemicals in the first place by being a more careful consumer can dramatically lower levels in your body. Mm-hmm. The, the second message of the book is that there are a few simple things that can be done to help your body detox itself, to accelerate the detoxing phenomenon. And it's not, you know, in most cases, it's not spending a ton of money on these uh, kind of fad detox diets very little evidence that a lot of these things work. Uh, it turns out that, uh, that exercising regularly, uh, breaking a sweat every now and again, uh, there's an increasing amount of scientific evidence that not only is that important for cardiovascular fitness, but that actually sweating, believe it or not, is an important way that our bodies expel a lot of these chemicals. And, and in, in some cases, we expel more chemicals through sweat than we do through urine. Um, really? So we, do, we do a variety of crazy experiments in the book uh, uh, with uh, saunas and showing that, um, you know, sampling levels of uh, chemicals in our, in our sweat versus in our urine over the same period of time, showing that BPA, for instance, which is of concern to a lot of us, uh, that BPA mm-hmm. is actually preferentially sweated out as opposed to being peed out. Good to know. <laughs> I, you know what? I would have loved for you guys to have made some YouTube videos. If you've got any videos of this stuff, it's really funny the way that you present it in the book. I mean, it's a serious topic, but you've you've given us uh, some entertainment value as well in the way that you go through these experiments. But, um, you know, nothing tells a story like a good YouTube video. So if you're going to do any more of these detox experiments, I'd love to see it. I know that our listeners would as well. Um, talk to us about the, and I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce this chelation treatment is that how you say it yeah chelation chelation treatment yeah talk to Um, us about that yeah so chelation is um uh, it's been around for a while Uh, we had a question as to whether it worked or not uh and so 
we did, uh, we did, my co-author did uh, experiments with it. It's really, it's a bit heavy duty, not for everybody. should only be done when you suspect that, uh, or your physician suspects that you have uh, heavy metal toxicity. Uh, and this is, this is a, um, uh, this is a, a, a procedure where you pass an intravenous solution through your body and it helps to uh, grab the heavy metals in your body uh, so that you can more easily uh, pee them out. Mm-hmm. It turns out it works very, very well. So uh, Bruce, my co-author, did this for a few days, and his, his, uh, the rate at which he was uh, peeing out heavy metals uh, accelerated dramatically on the days when he was being chelated as opposed to the days when he was not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is, this is one... You'll see chelation advertised quite a lot. Uh, it's actually a little bit expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that the, it is very effective, but the, uh, certainly not easily incorporated into people's daily lives. But sweating could be. And I love the idea that we can you know, keep hydrating. And, and that's one of your tips is to hydrate um, because a lot of these toxins are held in our fat cells. They're, you know, and we can, we can drink a lot of water and then we can get on a cardio machine, take a walk, ride a bike, um, take a jog and sweat a lot of these chemicals out. I think that that is um, very um, enlightening and it gives us a lot of hope that even if we you know, minimize to the amount that we possibly can, but we know that there'll be some exposures in our workplace or in other places that we go besides our homes, that we have some very simple and yet profound ways of making a difference. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to talk to Rick about things that we might be able to do to affect the amount of toxic chemicals in our environment outside of our homes, more like in our society and in our economy. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. 
Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Just in case you've just tuned in, let me catch you up for a moment. Our guest today is Rick Smith. He's the co-author of a brand new book that I highly recommend. Uh, it's called Toxin Talks Out, Getting Harmful Chemicals Out of Our Bodies and Out of Our World. And it takes this monumentally complicated issue of toxic exposure to synthetic chemicals and makes it very simple for any consumer to look at ways to keep those chemicals out of their environment, to keep those chemicals um, out of their bodies. And if they happen to get into our, our system, some simple ways that we can um, get them out of our bodies, so that we can detox in a natural way. Now, uh, Rick, one of the things that I loved about the way the book was organized is that it was very simple, but you, you developed a checklist of 10 vital actions that all of us can take to get toxins out of our lives. And I want my listeners to get a hold of your book, and I want them to read all about it, but I'd like for you to give us um, you know, maybe the Reader's Digest version of this top 10 list. Well, absolutely. I mean, my my co-author Bruce and I are both parents um, of of uh, busy kids, and so we spend a lot of time in our in our kitchens, around our kitchen table. So we we did we did figure that the best way to boil the book down was to come up with a top ten list so that people can literally rip out and stick in their fridge. Uh, so some of the some of the uh, top recommendations that we would have for uh, simple changes that people can incorporate into their busy lives uh, that are guaranteed to lower uh, toxic chemical levels in the body. And, and we can say guaranteed because we've done these experiments directly, uh, these, uh, these uh, crazy experiments on ourselves and, uh, and other people. Uh, some of the things that people can do are to uh, increase the amount of organic food they eat. That is guaranteed to lower pesticide levels in their, in their body. It doesn't need to be perfect. Uh, it doesn't, people don't need to be kind of Puritan about this, but every little bit of organic food you can eat uh, will definitely help lower levels of cancer-causing pesticides in the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Jill, you mentioned uh, drinking more water. That's very important because uh, what we found is that in many cases, the sweating out chemicals is the best way to get these, get these things uh, out of you. Mm-hmm. And many of us, Many of us uh, wander around our daily lives chronically dehydrated. So if you don't drink enough water, you're not going to be able to get these chemicals out of your body. Uh, well, and you thing also to, mentioned, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I thought this yeah. was very interesting as well. You specifically say drink water from your tap, and I'd like for yeah. you to just expand on that a little bit. Well, we, we uh, you know, as environmentalists and as, uh, um, you know, health advocates, uh, the, the, you know, prevalence of bottled water is a real problem. Yep. Bottled water, frankly, is an environmental nightmare. It actually takes more water to make the plastic uh, that's in a plastic water bottle than, than that bottle actually contains. Uh, uh, you know, and, un, and virtually uncountable number of bottles are disposed of every day in the world, and our landfills are filling up with all this plastic uh, uh, nonsense that, that then leaches the, uh, the toxic, the, the toxic uh, chemicals into uh, into our groundwater in many cases. That then comes back at us uh, uh, through our through our taps. And so, a lot of people drink bottled water. That's not a great idea. In most parts of North America, tap water is much more rigorously tested for safety than bottled water is by by the local uh, government authority. Mm-hmm. So tap water is a great, a great option, and if people are really concerned about the taste of their tap water, there's some really inexpensive 
uh, tap water filters that you can purchase these days that do a great job. Mm-hmm. And then back to the top 10 list. I just wanted to, to point that piece out, but go right ahead with the top 10 list. So another, another way that, uh, that people absorb these toxic chemicals uh, into their body is through what we put on our skin. And this shouldn't, this shouldn't be a surprise if you think about it. A lot of, a lot of products like moisturizing cream, uh, deodorant, shaving products are actually uh, explicitly designed to be rapidly absorbed through our skin. So it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a surprise that a lot of the chemicals in these products are showing up in increasing levels in our bloodstream. So looking for products, looking for uh, cosmetics and personal care products that, uh, that don't contain parabens, that don't contain phthalates, uh, that is an important thing to do uh, because these chemicals are increasingly linked to breast cancer, prostate cancer, and other important human diseases. Absolutely. And, you know, the the one piece on your top 10 list that I thought was really remarkable and something that I'm hoping to see more and more of is support politicians who believe in a greener economy and organizations that work for a cleaner environment. You know, a lot of us don't make a connection between the person that we vote for and the amount of toxicity in our environment. Talk to us a little bit about how we can integrate those two notions. Well, I'm really glad you asked about that because uh, I don't want to leave people with the impression that uh, that they can shop their way to complete safety from these chemicals. Uh, yes, it is the case, and we spent a lot of time in the book talking about uh, changing behavior uh, as consumers mm-hmm. that can, to a certain extent, shield you and your family from these chemicals. That is an important thing to do. But it's equally important that we demand better from our government as citizens. Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous when you think about it that uh, that we need to be concerned about this about this issue at all. Surely, it's a basic responsibility of governments to make sure that the products we buy are safe, and that the indi- that the individual chemicals in the products we buy are are, are safe before these things are, are put on, on store shelves. Unfortunately, that is not the case at the moment. Consumer product safety laws are terrible in the United States. Labeling, labeling laws are horrible. The chemical industry is not required to demonstrate the chemicals are safe uh, prior to sticking them in any number of consumer products. And we need to demand better as citizens from state governments, from the federal governments, uh, because our kids and our families deserve better protection. Absolutely. So well said. And one of the things that, you know, I think a lot of people really do assume is that because we have certain government agencies who in some way oversee uh, the chemical industry to some extent that, oh, if it ends up on the market, it must be safe. And and that is just simply not true. When you talk about supporting organizations that work for a cleaner environment, give us some examples. Um, who, who are these organizations and where can we find more information about how to engage engage with them in, in this quest for a cleaner and less toxic environment? Well, I, w- I would urge people to check out uh, the Environmental Working Group. Uh, their website ewg.org. Great group that's uh, been a real leader in, on these toxic chemical issues for many years. Uh, the Natural Resources Defense Council, uh, mm-hmm. nrdc.org. Fantastic organization uh, uh, trying to push for improved chemical safety uh, legislation in Congress right now. Um, there's any number of fantastic uh, state-level organizations. So in California, for instance, where, where I know you're based, uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the Breast Cancer Fund out of San Francisco has been uh, a real important global leader on the issue of getting toxic chemicals uh, out of consumer products. And, you know, this is an organization founded by breast cancer survivors, you know, a group of really brave women who mm-hmm. decided that the link between environmental toxins uh, and breast cancer was, was, was too strong to be ignored, and that uh, of all the things they could do to advocate uh, on behalf of breast cancer survivors, what they were going what, what, what to do, what they were going to start to do is to try to get rid of toxic chemicals in everyday life because uh, of, of the very worrisome evidence that these chemicals are driving increased rates of breast cancer. So check out the Breast Cancer Fund uh, online. Uh, these, are, these are some of the, uh, in, in some cases, quite small organizations, charities that are trying to go up against the chemical industry for improved uh, health and environmental protection. Well, and I think one of the things that's so great about what they're doing in particular with that organization is that, yes, we want a cure for breast cancer and and various types of cancer, but we also want to get to the root cause and why we're seeing such astronomical rates of these uh, health hazards and and illnesses and diseases. Rick, I want to thank you so much for being on Go Green Radio and thank you for your book. Um, It really, really is insightful and I think it's something that every consumer should have on their bookshelf. It's called Toxic. And, and for our, our Canadian uh, listeners, talks out. I did my best. Talks in, talks out. Uh, getting harmful chemicals out of our bodies and our world. My, my son was a hockey player. He had Canadian coaches, so I'm doing my best. But this is a great book, and thank you so much, Rick, for being with us. Folks, we'll be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.